0: You've survived another week. Thank you for finding, subscribing, and sharing the Black Man with a Gun Show, the Responsible Gun Owners Podcast. And I'm your host, Ken Blanchard. This week, my friend and brother from another mother, Michael J. Woodland, suggested we try something different, so we do, and we have an interesting conversation about shotgun. Let me know what you think about our dialogue. And then we're gonna listen into a conversation he has with Buell Collins from Pyoki, USA, and mission.
1: I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
0: MarylandShallIssue.org It's an all-volunteer, nonpartisan organization dedicated to the preservation and advancement of gun owners' rights in Maryland. It seeks to educate the community about the right of self-protection, the safe handling of firearms, and the responsibility that goes with carrying a firearm in public. MarylandShallIssue.org This is the group. Your group. The grassroots group in the state of Maryland. Join us. No matter where you are, org. Mike, how you doing, man?
2: I'm doing great. Another great week. Another week of training. Just glad to um, get back from the training, dealing with that heat, and just more curious to hear about your adventures.
0: Hey, This week, uh, I want to talk about shotguns. And shotguns is a a bone of contention for some people. Some people um, love them. But a lot of people, and I'm just learning this, that's why I decided to make the show this, is they don't see what the big hoo-ha is about shotguns at all. And uh, I want to get your take on that as we talk about shotguns this week. The five things you should know about shotguns. is probably going to be more than five things after um, we get th- through talking with each other. Uh, folks can just pick that up. So if you're ready, man, I'm ready to hit it.
2: You know? Okay. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it like, I got a love-hate relationship when it comes with shotguns. Okay. And one of the main reasons is if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to mess around and get somebody hurt. Okay.
0: Tell me how that that popped up in your head. Why you say it like that?
2: Okay. So like I was telling you beforehand, um, the situation was we was over in Iraq. We ended up getting shotguns to start doing door breaches. And once we got over there, we got a quick class from um, the special operations unit on what to do, what to order, everything like that. But you know how it is anytime you're dealing with logistics. Everybody looks for the cheaper um, element to make the mission successful. So, of course, you know, a couple of raids we went on, we realized like, okay, we're dealing with steel doors. So, you know, the old method we was doing was tying up. Um, the cord from the Humvee backing up, pulling the door off the, um, the hinges. So somebody decided, okay, we're going to start doing it with shotguns, All right? So of course, when we we're practicing, we're doing it with slugs. Somebody put the order in for slugs, but it came back birdshot, you uh-huh. know? So we actually went on a mission and that took place and a couple people got pepper sprayed <laughs> with the uh-huh. birdshot and it wasn't a pretty sight.
0: Okay, so let's back it on up. For those who have never done a, a breach of a door, what were you doing in the first place? What was the whole purpose of you guys taking people's doors off the hinges? Uh, it,
2: was, it was like the um, the kicking in the door, rushing in to go in, you know, the, the element of surprise.
0: To get the bad guys. Correct. And it decided to use shotguns, and they gave you guys the wrong ammunition.
2: Correct. Yeah, But you do, you do, you do three-gun
0: too, though, don't you?
2: I did three gun like two times in total,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but the only reason I'm not partial to doing it all the time is because it's very expensive, you know, right, and, right, right. You know, like I'm not sponsored. So yeah, it's easy to get, you know, ammunition for your AR 15 ammunition for your handgun ammunition for your shotgun. But when you incorporate it all together, you know, plus the equipment, the rigs and, and that stuff gets expensive and, and if you're doing it once a month or at least two times a month it can take a toll on your wallet. Yeah,
0: I got you. All right, let's do a little history about this shotgun. I mean, whenever you first start and go go way back when when before or maybe not you cuz you came out uh right into the military, but a lot of folks their first um entry weapon firearm into gun community is a shotgun. Folks always tell them, "You got a house, you got to get a shotgun," and they don't go much deeper than that. And you end up buying this thing, which you have no idea about, but everybody tells you you need one. And then it sits in the corner. You don't practice with it because a twelve gauge is not as fun to shoot as a twenty-two, um, and a lot of ranges not going to let you shoot slugs through in it anyway. So it's it's a it's a difficult thing. You agree with that?
2: Yes and no again. Um shotgun was my first firearm I shot.
0: As a kid? That,
2: as a kid. I was 13, okay, uh, cool. thirteen, fourteen years old. My dad took me out and shot my uncle's shotgun. And right. it was an overwhelming experience because I didn't, know, yeah, I didn't know what to expect from the recoil. All I you knew know, was yeah. what I saw in the movies. So it was overcoming, you know, overcoming of me. But um the whole myth about, you know, get a shotgun from home defense. And I never believed that. Just like when people say if you rack the, um, the charger, you know, like racking the shotgun, it's going to scare the bad guy away. You don't go yeah. for that. Yeah, I don't believe all that, you know. But I do believe whatever you have will work in any instance. So if you got a handgun, it'll protect your house. If you got an AR, it'll protect your house. Shotgun. Yeah, it'll protect your house. But that whole myth of all you got to do is point and shoot. You don't have to aim. All that depends on the type of ammo you have. You know, so you got it. Like you said, you got to get out there. You got to practice with it. You got to do your research. Because if you don't, you're going to be in a situation whereas you're believing the myth and now your life is on the line because you didn't know. Right, right, right.
0: So. Somebody said, hey, man, you got a house. So they, um, of course, they uh, make sure that this is, this is my housewarming gift. And uh, it's, it's a Remington Wingmaster, uh, pretty close to the 870P shotgun that Remington makes. Um, and it's a super long barrel. I mean, it's made for bird trap shooting. So 28-inch barrel. Not something that I like walking around the house with, but I got it. And that racking, I agree with you. That's that's just some hokey stuff that people used to sell guns. The um, the original firearm, though, has had a bunch of names over time. It's been called the scatter gun, the blunderbuss, the fouling piece, the trench gun, and now we talk about the shotgun. Since the 1600s, this thing has been around. And then it was the blunderbuss. It was a short musket. And uh, the British used it to hunt large birds with what we call today birdshot. And back in 1776, the term shotgun was first used in Kentucky to differentiate between a smoothbore shotgun and a rifled musket. During the Civil War, cavalry units favored the shotgun for moving targets at close range. And right after the Civil War and during the Indian Wars, Americans began to uh, move west and that's when the shotgun had its heyday. Uh, one of the big advancements for this thing uh, was when it had the double barrel in 1875, which was uh, a breech loaded side-by-side. They kind of call it a coach gun. And it's also been called a riding shotgun. You know, you watch the Westerns and like, especially the Wells Fargo guys are sitting up there and they got this short uh, double barrel shotgun with side-by-side. That's what we're talking about. And at the time, It was the biggest thing out there. Doc Holliday even had a side-by-side double-barrel scattergun that he used actually to shoot somebody with. 1887 to 1990, the shotgun kind of got a little bit better as John Moses Browning designed the first lever-action, pump-action, and auto-loading shotguns. And as with many of the weapons that Browning designed, the shotguns of today Are still the same basic design he invented more than 100 years ago. The difference now is the sights and the optics have moved forward, but the simple design of that pump action I just showed you, just had that you just heard, um, still the same. During World War I, the trench gun was used for close quarter fighting, and uh, it was really short. Now, today, there's a whole bunch of uh, guns that kind of look like the trench gun, and they're making shotguns are making a comeback. But I don't think nobody's buying them. I'm not quite sure. They're making something that look like AKs, um, and they're making a whole bunch of stuff that's uh cool, and uh, it's kind of interesting too. If you look at, if you go looking shopping for shotguns, you'll find a whole bunch of stuff that never, there wasn't even out there like four or five years ago. The shorter barrel lengths on these shotguns make them even worse to hold and to shoot. Uh, but they, again, they're using them to sell for the house. Uh, during the Korean War, it was a guard weapon of choice because of its effectiveness at close range. SEAL teams used a modified duck bill shotgun for walking as a lookout in the jungles of Vietnam. Back then, the muzzle of the barrel had a side-cut type of choke system that would produce a horizontal pattern. And it was the 870 12-gauge back in the day. This thing still is pretty much the same. I remember the first competition I would, I would do was a SWAT competition. And somebody gave me a Benelli M4 to replace it with an 870P that I was used to. And they were like, yeah, man, this is a semi-automatic shotgun, and it's going to be the bomb, and you can hold 10 rounds in this thing. And because I wasn't familiar with it, when the stress hit, man, my fingers got all fat. And I couldn't even find the buttons to let that thing slide forward. And I ended up having to shoot my 50-yard shot with my sidearm. So I lost some points on that thing. And I end up saying, give my 870P back. The shotgun, man, has been around forever and a day. And it has its purpose, but it is not, like you said, a magical thing. That that, that myth is just too big. That smooth bore, those pellets come out of there um, not rifled like our rifles are used to. So the distance that they hit, actually, they can go a long ways if they don't hit anything. But the power behind each of those little pellets is nowhere near as precise as a rifle shot for hitting doors and birds and stuff under 25 yards. It's on, and with a slug, you can knock out something at 50 yards, pretty good because that's a 50 caliber projectile you got coming out of the shotgun. But it, it takes it takes training, and you have to like expect the recoil from that thing, and you don't have to get a 12 gauge. You can do a 20 or a 410. The shot itself matters. The shells matter. It's like it's just like any other firearm. For those who don't know, and one of the things that made me think about when I was looking up this stuff to talk about it this, this week was shooting things that move. Um, nobody trains that as much as they used to. I know you shoot the USPCA, right? USPSA, correct. And you ha- you run to a fixed target and then you fire. But except for maybe some of those the ones that uh pop up or or spin, there's not many of them that run parallel to you or you have to run with to shoot which if you're hunting and you got a long gun, that's one of the things you you definitely got to do.
2: Well, you know, I do believe that um a lot of courses courses that teach you how to shoot, uh-huh. They do focus on Shooting moving items, yeah. You know, you're moving or the target's moving or both, you know. But um, doing it with a shotgun, like I shot clay before, mm-hmm. and I will say out of 150 clays that was thrown up, I maybe hit one. Oh and my goodness! My luck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm horrible at it. <laughs> yeah. So um,
0: it's a, it's a skill. It's a, it's another learned thing
2: it's a skill, but once again, it's one of those type things. You have to do it in right. order to understand it and perfect it.
0: Yeah. You know, one, one of the disadvantages of a shotgun, other than a recoil, the lack of training most folks have is that shot is limited to the range. Uh, it doesn't, um, uh, it, it's not as accurate. It in small pattern is devastating, but as, as the thing travels, it kind of spreads. And that's when you lose a lot of muzzle, muzzle en- energy. Again, nobody talks about shotguns that you don't have no love for shotguns. Usually you think it's just because of the recoil or because of how it looks or because people didn't teach it like, they like your parents showed you when you got started.
2: Right. I, I think it's a, everything. Not mm-hmm. so much the looks, but the length. <laughs> Cause you know, like the one you got, that joke is long. That joke know? is
0: long, Doc.
2: Yeah, you got to go around a corner, man. You got to right, turn. Right, 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 right. You know, before you get there. But, like, I have one that's real long. It was left, you know, to me when my uncle passed away. Yeah. But but then that's I have one also called the tactical, you know, so uh-huh. it's a little bit shorter. I'm just amazed that the mechanics of it was invented back in, like, what, early 17s? Yeah. 18s? Yeah. And then you turn around, it's the same thing being used today.
0: In a you know? while. Wow. But yeah, today, yeah. today we got stuff like that. You got AK-47, AK shotgun style and 12-gauge semi-auto. You have um, Thunder Ranch even has a 12-gauge over and under. There's a tactical. Uh, Mossberg has a couple of different tactical ones. They got like a 500 special purpose pump-action shotgun that looks as scary and modern as uh, any AR. So they're, they're trying to make them more, they're shorter, than not as long as that thing, uh, that thing like, like a buffalo rifle, but it's uh,
2: Well, you know, outside of um doing anything illegal, because you know, back in the day what people used to say, they saw it off. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the which which
0: instantly makes it a short-barreled shotgun, which is really? a <laughs> NFA, an NFA item, right? You gotta be covered for that, right?
2: Yeah. So, um you know, what you could do if you're into a shotgun and you want to get something shorter. Uh, one I was just looking at last week was the kel KSG. That's uh, a different it, shotgun altogether. It's, it's different, but it it holds, it's a bullpup mm-hmm. pretty much. That's what it is. And it holds more rounds and it got different variations. So you can get it with the longer barrel or you can get it the short style. And I want to say it was going for like $800, you know, but it's, What's the shoe it's like? i never, never shot one. A Kel-Tec. Yeah, I never, I never shot one myself. Um, it was just me and my uncle, we was talking about shotguns. <laughs> and I started doing the research and looking into it more. And, you know, like all the shotguns we have, you know, like you go to the store, you can buy Mossberg, the Remingtons. Yep, yep. Hold like eight rounds and right. get the tube extender. Mm-hmm. But that Caltech, it has two tubes in it. And if you get the mini slugs, I know the one I was talking about getting with the longer barrel, they said it can hold up to 25 um, wow. mini slugs. Yeah. So the way I'm calculating it, I'm guessing it holds six regular slugs mm. that are in the length of the mini slug. But I never loaded one or seen anybody load it to actually say, you know, but I do know it, it will hold more than your conventional shotgun. So that's something I want to look into getting.
0: Yeah, actually I actually would like to like to test fire a couple of Caltechs just to see. I know they're big out of Florida somewhere and um they're they're unique. I like people who try to do stuff out of the box, which is like everything that you do. So uh, find somebody with a Caltech man and give you so you can do a test on that thing.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm I'm actually I'm searching right now. I'm calling all my buddies and asking if they know somebody who can let me hold on to it for about a week or two. Um but yeah, like I said, the, that Keltec KSG, and also that sub sub two thousand. It's like uh-huh. their like nine millimeter rifle. I guess you can call it.
0: I think Hank. I think Hank Strange might have the hookup on that Keltec. I don't know.
2: Yeah, he might. I, I haven't talked to him in a minute because he was doing some trip around the country. I know he's okay. back, but I haven't talked to him.
0: Well, All right, good stuff.
2: Yeah, but outside of that, like I said, I am. One of those people that are on the fence when it comes to um the shotgun. If something was to go down in my house, you know, the order I would use the shotgun would be number three, you know, because um I probably go AR first, handgun, then shotgun.
0: And and you you would use AR like a lot of folks because you're a vet and you that's that's like your go to gun. You had it forever.
2: Yeah, I I could say that, but honestly speaking. If something really was to happen and distance played a factor into it, that would be the main reason why I would go with the AR.
0: Oh, and let's talk about your house, though.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but overall, like, I'm pretty sure if you shoot somebody over 25 feet, um, that's probably premeditated murder in some places. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right, 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 right. Yeah, and um, But, you know, with a handgun, because, you know, a handgun is only designed to be like, what, 7 to 10 feet? That's what it's really designed for—the close-range proximity of um, an encounter. Same
0: same with the shotgun legally. So if you Mm -hmm. if you shot somebody, that's an interesting question. If you if you had to shoot somebody, Mm -hmm. self-defense, and you had a choice between a rifle and a shotgun, what would the courts do to you if you shot them with a rifle versus with a shotgun?
2: Well. My mind would say, actually, defense is defense, regardless of what you use, you know, it's just the manner of how you use it, you know, because for one, we already know you can't shoot nobody in the back right. as they're running away from you because the right. threat ain't there. But if they're posing that threat and you actually feel danger, like your life is in danger and you actually use it, I don't. I'm thinking of a slug now. If you use a shotgun, right? Like right, right. we'll put a hole in you. <laughs> so, 50 caliber hole, yeah. And I honestly don't think anything will be said in regards to it, long as you do it in a manner of self defense, you know,
0: versus the scary black rifle. If you shot them with that, they right. might,
2: well, you know, honestly, man, you you can shoot somebody with an AR 15, and um, you got to put a couple. You know that's, what I mean. you, that's,
0: that's exactly what yeah. I'm saying'll they'll, they'll yeah. get you for why you had to shoot them multiple times with the scary black rifle versus the shotgun
2: yeah, because you know the AR15 um you can shoot somebody four times and it might be a slow death form, but it ain't gonna be anything instant like with the slug from a shotgun you know Even or that like or gun. that
0: blast that blast from a from the same bird shot that tore that dude up at the metal door. Yep, the, the wound um, channel is gonna be nasty.
2: Yeah, yep. So, but even with the handgun, you know, nine millimeter um, it ain't like one of those you shoot them twice and that's it. Right, You might have right, to right. put like four rounds in them because it's a smaller you caliber and it bounces around in you. you know?
0: Yeah, only good guys stop on one shot.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's it's one of those type things, man. It's it's interesting questions because I've always said that like. I remember I was a kid and there was a guy in high school and he was, you know, doing drugs, you know, selling drugs and everything. And he ended up killing three people, huh. but he ended up killing them in self-defense with a handgun. And it was a revolver, you know? So he ended up killing the three people. They didn't get him on the self-defense portion. Cause they was actually saying like, okay, he did everything legally okay. for the self-defense, but, the gun was the issue. So that's what they got him for. And I can't remember how long he actually went to jail for. But he didn't serve time for the killings of those three guys that came at him. But, you know, it was like the gun was illegally owned or in his possession. Oh, oh, OK. Like yeah. Yeah. It's always something like that. Yeah. I, I can't remember the story exactly, um, but. I do remember that incident taking place, you know, so now. Um, I don't know if this law is still in effect in Virginia because you got to remember I left right when I graduated high school mm. which was if you shoot somebody above the waist I think they call that attempted murder and if you shoot them below the waist it's something else where it's like it's a lesser crime.
0: Oh I never I never heard that before.
2: Yeah. I can't remember but because my, my brother was telling me about it you know and I was like really man I don't Really makes sense to me. No, no, you know. But I was ain't no telling. But I I never really read it into the laws, like to see what they would say and what they would do about stuff like that. But go ahead.
0: If you're if you're um, out teaching and somebody says, "Can you qualify me on a shotgun?" Do you do that?
2: I'll teach you how to shoot a shotgun, but. Uh, There's no such thing in my personal opinion about qualifying somebody with a shotgun. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like right now, the whole qualification for getting your CWP in South Carolina is you got to sit in a six hour class and then go to the range and show proficiency on shooting. You know, a target with so many rounds in the target. Uh So that's a qualifiable test, you know, but. How many people walk around with a an AR-15 and a shotgun? So how can you really qualify somebody on that? You know? right. <laughs> yeah, it's just a matter of just teaching you how to get proficient with it so you feel more comfortable in using it.
0: C- certifying somebody for NRA certificate or whatever they call it. I think that's what I was talking about.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I never took that um, NRA shotgun. I did the NRA rifle and the NRA handgun. But I never did the shotgun. One.
0: Our next thing is uh, your interview with a guy from Fiocchi, and uh, you was pretty psyched about that thing. You said that was your favorite guy at yeah. the NRA thing. Yeah,
2: Buell is. Um, he's one of the top people that work at Fiocchi. So I'm pretty sure if you call Fiocchi and ask a question, he'll probably be one of the people that answer the phone that will, you know, point you in the right direction as far as what products to get and what they're intended to use for. Yeah. So like every time I ran into him, like we walked past the booth, we, we always had interesting conversation. He's a very funny guy, very helpful as well. Right? He points you in the right direction if you got questions about, hey, I'm looking for this or who should I talk to about this? He's like one of those, those guys that knows everybody that was at an NRA convention. And like I said, it, it was never a dull moment when we linked up and we had conversation.
0: I could tell that, and that conversation is coming up next after this commercial break.
2: The Minister of Defense, the pastor of paladins, patriots, and pistoleros
0: will be right back after these commercials. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the SuperTuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget CrossbreedHolsters.com. A few years ago, a friend of mine started this thing called the United States Concealed Carry Association. It's an education, training, and self-defense insurance company now. It's for responsible gun owners. You can get complete peace of mind when you join USCCA today. If you carry a gun for self-defense, you need this. It's a whole package, education, training, and self-defense insurance. Call my friend. The number is one 488 8353 And if you missed that, go to the link at blackmailthegun.com for USCCA.
2: I am Michael Woodland, and today we're going to have a discussion with Buell Collins of Fiocchi Ammunition. How's it going, Buell?
1: Doing well, sir. Doing well. Thanks for having me.
2: If they haven't met you, you are probably my favorite person I got to talk to at SHOT Show.
1: Oh, man. Uh, I appreciate that.
2: (laughs) Can you tell us more about yourself and um, how you came to work at Fiochi
1: I'm always been into guns. I guess it was like something I was into as a kid that I just couldn't explain, like my draw to it. You know, I've always been into firearms and and especially military history and and things like that. And when I was uh, probably about 17 years old, I actually met Mr. Fiocchi, um, and he became a family friend. And then eventually, as the company grew and grew, uh, he offered me a job and. That was about three years ago, just a little bit over three years ago, actually, and uh, it's been great, man. I-, I love it. You know, it's a, a nice, small family environment um, to work in, and, and we're all pretty tight knit, and it's it's great. And obviously, it's it's a dream of mine to work in the firearms industry. So couldn't ask for a better better gig.
2: Oh man, I-, I know you met some interesting people, like through across the board in the industry.
1: Yeah, there's a there's quite a few characters out there, man, and that's that's actually one thing that. I've learned from the time that I started working here is just the quality of people you meet in the firearms industry is uh, to me, it's unparalleled in any other industry I've ever worked in. Um, I t- often tell people that if you want to have a good influence on your children, take them to shot show and introduce them to, to a bunch of those people because it, it's always, yes, ma'am, no ma'am, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, all that good stuff, polite, uh, generous with their time and energy. Uh, just, just really high quality, high caliber people is what I found, uh, through my time in the industry.
2: Oh yeah. About my 20th time coming over to the booth, you was with the man, James Yeager himself. Um, how did y'all actually ended up linking up with each other?
1: Um, so how I found, uh, James and, and, you know, I'm, I'm lucky now that, uh, me and Yeager have developed a relationship and I can call him my friend, but, um, when I first discovered him, I actually was using YouTube to watch uh, Joe Rogan podcast. And I, for all intents and purposes, like YouTube was just a vehicle for me to watch Joe Rogan. Right. And somehow a gun video got thrown into my feed and it came up and I was like, holy crap, you can watch gun videos on YouTube. This is awesome. And uh, one of the videos was actually someone talking crap about Jaeger. And I was like, well, this guy seems kind of like a nerd. Um who's this guy he's talking crap about? I want to go check him out. So I went and I looked up James Yeager and watched uh, his videos. And then I signed up for a class. And um, when I signed up for a class, I signed up through my Fiocchi email and he reached out to me. He's like, you're coming to train. I'm like, yeah, man. Um, he's like, man, I've, I've loved your products for years. That's awesome. And I'm like, well, I'm a fan of yours too. So when I got there, he, he basically opened his whole facility to me and, and helped me out with anything I needed. I've uh, been very generous to me, and ever since then, we've, we've just kind of been, you know, building a friendship and a relationship that's mutually beneficial, I think. Oh uh, Yeah.
2: Yeah, I like um, talking to James also. I'm going to go um, see him in a couple weeks as well. You're going to take a class? And, uh, yeah, I'm going to take a class with him, but uh, you know me. I like to, like, sit down and just talk to people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk to Zero for about a couple hours.
1: <laughs> oh, he's good for that, man. He He has... Uh, yeah. A lot of great stories. Um, we took a class at Thunder Ranch together in February. And, you know, obviously training with Clint Smith was a, a life goal of mine. But just sitting there with with Jaeger and Clint and Heidi uh, after the class, man, and the stories that they were passing around and just listening to all that wealth of knowledge was incredible. I was truly humbled. Oh, yeah.
2: Are you an actual shooter or do you just do it just because, like? competition or just a weekend shooter?
1: Um, so my shooting generally uh, bases around uh, tactical shooting um, mm-hmm. and drilling on on mindset tactics and skill. I've shot a couple of IDPA matches and I'm probably going to shoot a three-gun match in the near future. Uh, I need to get better versed at, at the competition side of stuff just for my job just so I speak the language better and have a better understanding of of what the competitors and what our sponsor shooters go through and what they need. But my favorite thing to do is to go out and take training classes. If I can spend my vacation money on going and taking a class, that's what I'll spend it on. You know, I'd rather do that than go to the Bahamas or to Disneyland or something like that. I'd rather go take a, a class and particularly my favorite thing to do is take force on force.
2: Yeah. So that, that's, that's one thing I like to do also is um take the training courses because like all my friends always, hey, I want to go to the Bahamas or Europe. I'm more like, man, I want to go hang out with Travis Haley, Chris Costa, you know, Clint, you know, people like right. that just to, you know, get better in the art of shooting.
1: My wife keeps threatening me with a Haley class for my birthday, so um <laughs> I'm, I'm I've always geeked out on Travis, so it'd be awesome to finally train with him. Oh yeah.
2: I never trained with him yet. I trained with uh Chris Costa and that was pretty funny. We joked pretty much like the whole class, but he kept getting me and I was like off-kilter <laughs> because you know normally my my comebacks are really fast and but he was just getting me. I was like, "Yo, man, this ain't normal for me right now." But Dude, I had a lot of
1: quick man. He's <laughs> exactly. quick man. He's hilarious too.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, real real funny cat, real funny cat. So um what's your favorite platform to shoot?
1: Um, you know that's it's a hard it's a hard question to answer because growing up I was a poor kid and uh all I could afford to shoot was a AK. Like I got my first AK when I was fairly young for my dad and I could, you know, collect cans, sell eggs, do all this stuff around my little town that I grew up in and make money. I could actually afford to shoot an AK. So I, I grew up shooting that forever. But uh over the last couple of years I've been shooting so many so much more AR. That it's a toss up, man. I don't, I don't know. I can't pick. I'd hate to live on the difference. You know what I mean? Um, but my favorite gun, my favorite gun is the one I carry every day. It's my Glock 19. Um, just because it's my constant companion and, and I've got the most time with it. And uh, I trust my life to it every day. So that, that's actually the one I'm most uh, fond of, if you will.
2: Oh, yeah. What makes Fiocchi stand apart from other ammo companies, in your personal opinion?
1: Um, well, uh, the biggest thing for me on a personal level is they pay all my bills. Um, <laughs> but uh, from oh, a consumer a good point, <laughs> from a consumer standpoint, uh, and and this is in in all honesty, you know, I was I was joking there, but in all honesty, we're the oldest ammunition manufacturer in the world. We actually started our, our company in 1876 in Italy. Uh, we brought a production facility in, to the United States in 1983. We've been producing ammunition here. Uh, since 1984, and we put over 150 Americans to work every day, which is something we're very proud of. the The thing that really sets us apart from a user from a user level is our quality control. We have 100% visual inspection on all of our products, so anything that goes out the door with our name on it has to meet a very high standard. Uh, my boss is actually Mr. Fiocchi. so um, nine steps away from my desk is his desk, and he he comes to work every day. He answers the phone every day, and if if there's a subpar product, he's going to know about it. And he he doesn't he doesn't accept that. He says if if it has my name on the box, it better be good. And you know, all due respect to all other ammunition companies, but there's not too many of them that you can call, and the guy whose name on the box will answer. Frankly, wow. yeah. um, that's
2: pretty impressive, right there.
1: And we, you know, the dirty secret of the ammo business is. Is we can all source pretty much the same components. You know, we manufacture our own brass and that stuff, and a lot of our own projectiles. But we work with companies like Sierra and Hornady and Barnes, and and get projectiles. Um, but what really sets quality ammunition manufacturers apart is the loading process and the quality control. A second part of that is a lot of the machines we use to load are designed and manufactured by us as well, so we control quality control from you know, basically from the dirt and bringing all the raw materials up through the, mm-hmm. the manufacturing and loading process until it's in the box and out the door. And it's been a very good recipe for us for 142 years now.
2: Wow. Yeah. I mean, if it ain't broke, why fix it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, do y'all give um, tours to your on your facility?
1: Uh, we used to give tours to the public. Um, But then we had a couple of uh, ISIS threats or uh, terrorist threats. Uh, One of them was definitely ISIS and one of them was uh, some other group, but they stopped really, you know, having the facility open to the public, unfortunately. Um, But we do, you know, tours with like our sponsored shooters and influencers and things like that to just get product knowledge out there for the people representing our company. I wish we could just say, Hey, you know, Come down and meet me at the factory, and I'd love to show you around. But with the climate nowadays, we gotta, we're got just a little bit more sensitive to it. And the reality is, is that even though we are generally maybe number five or six uh, production-wise on the U.S. ammunition market, um, we're still a small family company. We don't have a, a ton of employees and resources to maybe manage that whole program like you would expect from like a federal, if you will.
2: When I was in the military, I remember we was on the range this one day and I'm not going to say the guy's name, but he came in and put seven boxes of Fiocchi ammo on the table and he just kept saying, "Hey, I want to try out this ammo because I got this new gun. So one of his buddies recommended it." So I'm just sitting there looking, so what I ended up starting to do, I started switching out my ammo with his ammo. <laughs> 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 <Sorry>. <laughs> I was like, Man, this stuff shoot you know. But um, if he would have paid attention, because you know, like all the ammo was real shiny coming out the box, and all the ammo that I had was kind of like dull and had like little rust spots on it and everything. <laughs> but I, don't, I don't think he really paid any attention to it. But I was like, yeah, I "Man,
1: that stuff." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, go ahead and tell me, uh, what's your favorite Fioki product?
1: Um. Well, I think the best bang for your buck product that we make is our is our products because it's two two three A, and that's our fifty five grain full metal jacket boat tail. You know, two two three round. Um, it I wouldn't call it match grade because we don't advertise it as that, but it's pretty close, and you can get it for a really really competitive price. Um, I the the load I shoot the most is our nine APB, which is our 124 grain nine millimeter, um, you know NATO spec nine, and then I carry our 124 grain XTP load uh, in in my gun every day. So those are probably like my three most used rounds. But if you're if you're into like three gun, we have a a, a slug that's a uh, how, how do they say? Oh, it's got a varnish. Sorry, um, it's got a varnish on it. And it's a clear hole and the varnish on the slug is red and the wad is blue. So it looks really cool. But it was actually developed with Jerry Mikulik and it's great for uh, follow up shots. It prevents um, letting and and smoke for follow up shots. So it's a it's a really good round and it's kind of a cool, you know, neat, unique thing that we do. And then obviously you've done three gun. If you look down with that clear hole and that red and blue with the wad being blue and the, the slug being red, you can easily identify it on your belt so any of those competition shooters out there that are looking for a high quality slug to run through their matches uh we have a three it's called 3gjm and that's yeah, that a whole line of products uh, developed with jerry mickley
2: okay yeah that's, that's awesome right there now do you sponsor jerry and the whole family or just jerry
1: uh we sponsor jerry and lena for shotgun mm-hmm. shells and then we sponsor k for everything nice <laughs>
2: Nice. Now, do y'all, have you ever went out there and saw them shoot like in the competition?
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, one of the coolest memories I have actually um, was when we first brought Jerry on and we were we were developing like the specific rounds that he wanted and the things that he desired. Uh, we brought him out here to our sales office in Las Vegas and we went out and had dinner one night and I'm sitting across the table from Jerry just listen to him you know tell stories about him growing up and how he got into shooting and and all this stuff and that was one of the that was another moment where I was like how did my life lead me here this is crazy I'm sitting here with you know the freaking superman of shooting and we're just having a normal conversation like you know two dudes that like guns yeah he's really he's really good people the whole family is is great and and we're really really honored to have them represent us you know when we select the people that we sponsor, the character part of it is big. Uh, of course, you want, you know, like Jerry's name is Jerry's name, right? Just the character and the way he represents himself and the companies that he, he represents is, is pretty incredible. And that's that's a big thing for us. Another one is Lanny Barnes. We sponsor um, Lanny, and she's just awesome. Did you get to meet her at the NRA show? No, I didn't meet at her. At the booth? Oh, Okay. Yeah, she's she's really cool too. Another great ambassador for us. Yeah, yeah um, I
2: know everybody that um I spoke to over there at the booth. I had pretty good conversations, but the one guy who you told me was a sales representative, I thought he was a bodyguard, the big guy.
1: Oh, Sam, yeah,
2: yeah. I was like, oh my goodness, man, this guy right here, he gonna choke slam somebody <laughs> here in a little.
1: Yeah, Sam, better just <laughs> stay calm. I have to teach him a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know where that guy buys his hats. I think he buys his hat at like the parachute store. He's so big. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that's another one, uh, Diana, uh, Diana and, uh, Ryan, they're also great people, former Leo's, you know, um, they're, they're also really cool, really great people. Okay. When you, uh, when you first started doing competition shooting, you, you were doing, uh, th- what, what, what did you say you're doing? ISP, uh.
2: Yeah, my first one uh, was USPSA.
1: Oh, USPSA. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
2: The way it went for me was I was training with Homeland Security when I was stationed at Port Benning down in Georgia. When I went through the Homeland Security training, one of the instructors was like explaining the story of one of the guys who was shooting. Um, his name was Bill Rogers. And he started like Safariland, but he used to work for the FBI and of course you know when they was doing ipsic back in the 80s and everything um it was a special forces guy that came down and went through it figured like hey i'm special forces you know i can knock anybody out the box when it comes to shooting but when he started doing the competition everybody else was blowing him out the water so you know the military hired um uh, bill rogers to teach what he teaches and they had him on lockdown for 20 years and it just let up a couple years ago so um he used that same format and took everybody to a competition shoot to show like, okay, this is how you're gonna perform under stress if this was a real life situation. It blew everybody out the water. Um, but at the same time, it like it caught me because I'm like, I'm not gonna let this game beat me. So <laughs> of course, you know, every week I started going out there, started like dry firing every night and everything, and um got really good with it. And then um it got to the point whereas Whenever I would go someplace, I would plan it around if it was a competition. So, like, if I was going to Texas, I would specifically look for a competition, whether it was IDPA or USPSA. So oh, I went to nice. Virginia, the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So I would always travel around because, you know, like, if you keep going to the, um, like, it's just like if you go to the same gym every day and you do jiu you're not really picking up new techniques. You're just picking up how to beat somebody because you know how their game is.
1: Yeah, you start, um, you start kind of being predictable and predicting your, your training partner's movements and stuff. And, you know, the match, the people that set the matches, they, they have the things that they do well and the things they like to do and, and all that. What, what I found when I did um, pistol competitions, as long as you, or for me, at least as long as I realized what I was doing and I wasn't trying to game it and win, it was really good practice for me, um, as long as I stuck to the fundamentals of what I do and, and all that stuff. Um, I find that was is a good way to practice and to, to add some intensity to to things.
2: Oh yeah, like I said, I just love the stress factor. But um, the only thing I didn't like about IDPA was um, they would gig you on a lot of stuff, and it was all the perspective of the person that was the RO at that time. Oh yeah, and that was the only turned off to me, you know. So um, now from what I understand, they changed the rules in IDPA a lot to make it a little bit more enjoyable, whereas You're not doing that whole political fight of, hey, I was behind the barrier or, you know, I dropped the magazine and had a round in it, you know, um, without gigging for points. So but I haven't shot a IDPA match in about three years. You know, so I said I was going to try one here, um, here in the next month or two. But USPSA is what I really do enjoy because I felt like it was more challenging, you know. Just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. All right. You don't have to. You don't have to explain anything. So it's going to be a series of questions.
1: How PG? How PG this podcast? (laughs) (laughs)
2: All right. So here we go. Um, gun control. Stop it. Smith and Wesson or Glock? Glock. USPSA. IDPA or three gun. IDPA. Favorite celebrity instructor. James Jager. Okay. 115 grain non-mil or 124 grain non-mil?
1: 124. Favorite instructor thing is tough, man. James, like I said, James is my friend. Like me and him are, are pretty tight. And, uh, you know, we we text and, and talk r- real regularly. Um, the thing that made it hard on that is I've always looked up to Clint so much, Clint Smith, and yeah. um, after getting to meet, meet him and everything and, like, I have a, this is going to sound almost insulting, but it's like, man, I wish that guy was my grandpa. You know what I mean? Like I wish I had that guy around (laughs) when I was growing up. My grandpa was awesome. awesome, You know, Clint's on another level of awesome.
2: Yeah. That's a different level of knowledge right there also.
1: Yeah. All
2: right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close this out. If people want to follow Fiocchi or contact you, how can they do so?
1: So uh, for Fiocchi, everything is at Fiocchi Ammunition, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Twitter's Fioki Ammo, but if you just search it, you'll find it. Uh, on social for me, if you look up standing on second uh, with the number two in it, so standing on two in D, basically, uh, that's, that's how you can contact me directly. If you guys want to follow the shenanigans of my life, that's uh, where you can do it.
2: All right. So thanks again. Meeting more good people in the firearm industry who are about putting out quality products with the everyday people in the equation If you haven't done so go purchase a box of Fiocchi ammunition and give it a try and tell me your thoughts of it For those who are looking to contact me visit blackmanwiththegun.com and under the about tab click on my name Michael Woodland and shoot me an email or phone call please leave a voicemail or text message and I promise I will get back to you until next week keep shooting keep practicing. And have fun. Back to you, Ken.
0: Well, you listened to uh, Mike and I talk about the shotgun and his interview with Buell from Fiochi. If you got any questions or comments about this episode, feel free to leave the notes at com or catch us on social media. We're on Facebook. Um, there's two communities that you can find for Black Man with a Gun podcast and the Black Man with a Gun community. What you got, man, going on the rest of the week?
2: Only thing I um, have going on is the promotion of the GoFundMe projects that I have with getting the three sheriffs into jiu jitsu training free for a year and getting some 22 um, pistols so I can start up this summer youth camp next year and also getting the word out for people to get out and vote.
0: All right. So, so let's get into that right quick.
2: Yeah. So if anybody wants to um, contribute, go to gofundme.com forward slash M dash W tactical all together and um, donate what you can and help us out. So right now my goal was to have $3,000 by August 1st. So we could put the three sheriffs into um, the jujitsu training starting August. 1st. But we didn't meet, meet that deadline, right? So right now I think we had something like $1,700, you know, collected. So what we ended up doing was we put one sheriff through and then we put another goal for the August 15 to try to raise the other two thousand dollars to make it all happen. You know, so now because I wanted to have all three of them training together so they can talk to each other and, you know, talk about, OK, what they can do with work and, you know, just bounce ideas off. And, you know, of course, bring them in to the whole community of our gym. But it didn't happen, so now I'm asking everybody again to help us get there. So if you have $5, that's the minimum you can donate, please go to GoFundMe.com forward slash M-W Tactical and let's make some positive changes, you know, happen within the community, right? Starting with that, and then, of course, you got to back it up with the vote because I've been hearing a lot of people complain about laws and what's going on in the community. But bottom line is, if you don't go out there and vote, what are you really doing? You know, so let's, let's make some changes and um, let's teach the next generation coming up what it takes, you know, for these changes to take effect. So their children are not going to be affected by, you know, erroneous BS that's going on. All right, man. Thanks for that. All right. This is the end of episode
0: number 578. Thank you again for listening and supporting me. You know, a lot's gone on in the last 12 years since I started this podcast. And I am learning still some new things and trying to help the cause still, trying to get out of my own way still, trying to promote other people. I got a handful of products to review that I want to share with you. You'll find those on blackmanwithagun.com. Don't forget that there is a book by that name still on Amazon. If you haven't got your copy, get one today. Don't forget, if you need me for anything, you can reach me online or my phone number. I'm here for you. Thomas Jefferson said that honesty is the first chapter in the book of wisdom. Until next time. Just in case nobody has told you this today. I love you. And it's not a damn thing you can do about it. Shalom, baby.